Thank you, Aaron. Why wait? What's the point of waiting? Here we are. I was just looking at the bulletin cover while Eric was singing, where Charles Fillmore tells us from Keep It Through Lent, the destiny of the earth and of its people is in the minds and hands of those who seek to know God as spirit. Why wait? The destiny of the earth is in our hands, right? So we have the courage to imagine in 2018, and we ended our series last week with the courage to act. And so today we begin a new series all about taking that action, which is a walk with Christ through this Lenten series. And today we talk about Jesus as rebel. How many of you have been here especially because you can't wait to hear? What is that about, right? I know that's why Gary's here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're going to have this conversation, Jesus as rebel. And I found this great reading that I wanted to share with you this morning that was written by Jonathan Gallagher that is um, entitled The Radical Jesus. And I'm just going to read you just a touch of it because it really speaks about where I want us to go today. So this is what Jonathan Gallagher says. The Jesus of today, as commonly understood, is far from the truth of the real Jesus. Having made Jesus in our own image, Jesus is now safe. Jesus is whatever we want him to be, and above all, nice. A suitable addition to a comfortable lifestyle, today's Jesus that we endorse, is so easily more a figment of our imagination than anything like the person who lived and walked and talked and made a difference two millennia ago. For in our niceness and pleasantness, the true Jesus is allowed to say very little. He is transformed into icons and images, greeting cards and statuettes. picture is what we want, not the disturbing reality of what he said and did and how he lived and died. Christ was never viewed as a safe option in his lifetime. He was always seen as someone who made a difference, who was a radical, dangerous even. In fact, he was not allowed to live because the powers that were decided he was just not safe to have around. Only with the passing of the years has his revolutionary nature been accommodated into a placid, reassuring, and comfortable space. Jesus as rebel. So what is a rebel? On the back of your bulletin, I've got a a dictionary definition, right, from uh, uh, the American Heritage Dictionary. A rebel is someone who who refused allegiance to and opposed by force an established government or ruling authority. To refuse to align ourselves with the powers that be. And in Jesus' lifetime, in the Jewish tradition, there were basically three steps in Judaism that he rose up against. So the first one is the Essenes, the sect of the Essenes. How many of you have heard of the Essenes before? That's a sect that we tend to somewhat romanticized today, imagining Jesus was one of the Essenes. But the Essenes set themselves apart from the normal, ordinary people of that time. They set themselves apart from the culture. They felt like in order to stay clean, which was a big idea in Judaism, we wanted to be clean, set apart from, the Essenes felt 
felt they had to move apart from society in general. And that is not the example that I see Jesus gave us. Although Jesus had moments where he went apart for a while up to the mountain to renew and remember his awareness and oneness with God, he didn't stay there. He came back down into the culture, into the world, into society, and interacted with the people there. So I don't think that as a rebel, we're called to separate ourselves from the world. I think that instead, like Jesus, we are called to be that voice in the world. So the Essenes was that first level. The second sect that was there at the time were the, um, the, um, God, Sadducees. Thank you, whoever shouted. Michelle, because you were here earlier. The Sadducees. So the Sadducees were those ones that were the priestly sect that was in the temple in Jerusalem. They typically had a lot of money. That's why they were put in that place. They were also the ones that were in collusion with Rome. And Jesus didn't make the Sadducees in the temple very happy. He stood against their power. And then we have the Pharisees. The Pharisees were also in power in Judaism at that time. The Pharisees were in charge of the synagogues in the various cities. And they taught as well... Different from the Sadducees. The Sadducees only focused their attention on the first five books of what we know of today as the Bible, the, the, the Torah. And they took all of their ideas of how we were supposed to act from that, from the Torah, and there was no interpreting it. The Pharisees went on beyond those first five books and went to the 613 other laws and interpretations of those laws that we were given. And they felt like we had to follow those laws completely in order to find ourselves in heaven someday, right? So it were, was those authorities, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, as well as Rome itself, that Jesus was rebelling against, that he was saying no to. And so I want to share with you from the Gospel of Matthew what he has to say to those Pharisees and Sadducees. So this is coming from the 23rd chapter of Matthew. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, and therefore do what they teach and follow it, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. He goes on to say, Woe to you, blind guides! Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You lock the people out of the kingdom of heaven, for you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others, you blind guides. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but on the inside they are full of bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. Woe to you, hypocrites, 
everybody's sitting out there squirming on their way down the street. Woe to you. There's this idea, right, that the religious people of his day had of how we were to act, and it was according to the letter of the law. We were to uphold all of these commandments. But in the process, what Jesus is saying is you're missing the important thing, connecting with one another in love and in understanding and support and in community. Hypocrites, you speak a good talk. But what about the way that you act with one another? The rebel Jesus is acting us, asking all of us to pay attention not just to the rules and regulations, but to the way that we are called to be with one another. His ideas were radical. Stop blaming. Stop finger pointing. Why are you saying it's all out there that needs to change? Why are you pointing out the speck that is in your brother's eye and ignoring the log in your own? Hypocrite. Viper. So what can we learn from this today? On this walk of what does it mean to take this walk as a rebel? Standing against the powers that be. Standing against what what society in general tells us. What are we called to stand up for? So, this has been another hard week, hasn't it? I feel like, do I have to get up here and talk about this again? But obviously so, because it keeps happening out there in the world. And so I was thinking this week about how we so easily as a people, when a situation like what happens down in Florida with that school shooting takes place, we immediately go into the finger pointing and the blame. Now, I want to preface this by saying that some of you might be sitting out there thinking, oh my God, I came to church and I didn't want to hear about this. Can't you just make me feel good? Fire me. There's a saying that says, the church is here to comfort the afflicted. And so, yes, we want you to feel comforted if there is something heavy on your heart. But we don't stop there. The second part of that saying is that we also afflict the comfortable. It is time to wake ourselves up from the comfort and the comfortableness of not speaking and acting in our truth. And so it's easy to point fingers of blame. It's easy to want to simplify this issue down to this or that. It must be the guns. We need to eliminate the guns. And yes, I believe that somewhere in the conversation, we need to be taking a look at that. But it's not just the guns. We hear it's the mental health issue. That's where we need to focus. And I'm not denying that there is a mental health issue we need to look at. But we're called to stand up and speak the truth and be rebels. And it's more than just guns and mental health. I went out yesterday to a little convenience store. And when I walked in, the local police officer was in there at the counter talking to the foreign woman behind the counter who looks to be either Pakistani or Indian in her in her dress. 
and they were having a conversation, just like we are now, about, you know, what's happening and what's to blame. And I heard the police officer say, you know, when I went to school years ago, we used to bring rifles to school with us. Anybody remember those days? A couple people do. He said, we used to bring rifles to school, and the teacher would look and make sure that there was no ammunition in there, that it wasn't loaded, and then she'd hand it back to us, and we could now have our show and tell. He said, the problem is not the guns. And then I went up to pay, and they kind of quieted down for a minute. And I paid for my purchase, and I thanked them each. And as I was walking out the door, I heard him begin again to say, kids these days, and then the door closed. (laughs) So I couldn't really hear where he was going with that phrase, but I can only tell you what I've heard said about that. Kids these days, they're so entitled kids these days. They have no respect. Kids these days don't know how to work hard. Kids these days need to toughen up. Kids these days. What have you heard? You heard it yesterday, even. What did they say? Kids these days lack discipline. Kids these days. That's our Kids these days did not grow up in a vacuum. Kids these days learn from you and from I. Kids these days are our children. Kids these days are our grandchildren. Kids these days are our nieces and our nephews. Kids these days are our neighbors. Kids these days are our YOU standing back in the back of the hall right now listening to this message. Kids these days fill up our youth and family ministry wing in this church and in churches around our community. That's kids these days. What is our responsibility to kids these days? How are we reaching out to them? And not with the platitudes of kids these days, but with a willingness to listen, to hear, to understand. Because behind the guns and the mental health issues, kids these days have a lot going on in their lives. Afraid to go to school. Afraid of what might happen. Kids these days that we are failing left and right because we've not connected with them in a way that helps them to be really and truly valued about who they are in truth. The light of God. Kids these days. And so you and I are called to be rebels here, not to point fingers to say this is what it is, but to look around in our own lives and in our own communities and in our own neighborhoods and to ask the question, how can I connect with kids these days in a way that helps them to feel loved and appreciated and valued? Kids these days that are dealing with so much anger and rage that they don't know what to do with it did not grow up in a vacuum. What will you and I do to kids these days? And, of course, the issues out there 
are multiplied. That's just one issue, right? Do you know that around the corner on Clay Road last week, there is an interracial couple who on their front lawn got a nice little surprise package, a styrofoam cooler with swastikas drawn all the way around. And we can sit here and we can shake our head and we can say, that's terrible. And it is. But what are you and I willing to do about it? Besides point fingers and say it's them. They need to stop. What am I willing to do? What are we together willing to do? You know, the idea of the quarterly unity response came out of that question. What can we do to take situations that are really challenging for us and to be willing to have a conversation outside of the box that society would have us look at it and have courageous conversations in which we are not hypocrites, but in which we say, what's mine to do here? And so, for example, on March 1st, for our first quarterly unity response of 2018, we're looking at race relations. And again, we might be sitting out there squirming with that idea. Because we're going to watch a movie called White Like Me that's all around white privilege. How many of you have reactions around that idea? Yes. Thank you for your honesty. White privilege isn't about how hard we work to get where we got to. It's about recognizing the systemic injustice that's in our society that we need to stand up and speak out about. We need to be willing to own and do our part about. We need to be rebellious and radical and reach out and touch one another from that place of honesty and humility and openness. The world is depending on it. Our kids are depending on it. You and I are depending on it. Not for someday someone to come along and make it better, but for us to stand up and say, I'm the one. And even if I make somebody angry, even if somebody in my family stops talking to me, even if my friends don't want to hear about this, I'm going to speak the truth. Because that's what we're all called to do and to be. So as I was reading our Lenten booklet, and we still have some available if you didn't pick one up last week, I was reading this on Thursday and I thought, wow, here's a radical idea. And it comes from Reverend Paul Hasselbeck. And he said on Thursday, in times of need, I remind myself, I am an expression of the divine created in the image and likeness of God. The same Christ spirit that was in Jesus is in me. There's the radical idea. The same Christ spirit that was in Jesus is in you and me. Can you own that with me? The same Christ spirit that was in Jesus is in me. Will you say that with me? 
The same Christ Spirit that was in Jesus is in me. Now, it's not about just those nice words, is it? It's not about whitewashing the outside and ignoring what comes out. If I truly live those words, that same Christ Spirit that was in Jesus is in me. How will I act? How will I respond? What will I do? that is outside of the norm of what society calls forth in us, but that stands radically for that light that we are. Moving ourselves out of what's comfortable. How many of you are willing to practice that with me this week? All right. I'd like us, this isn't in here because this didn't come up until this week, but I'd like you to be really aware of the children in your life and ask yourself, how can I reach out to those children that are around me and connect with them and support them and love them and encourage them? And you might be sitting here going, well, I don't have any kids around me. You, I'm sure, have a school, right? Go volunteer. Go volunteer to teach English as a second language to an immigrant who is in that school and doesn't yet speak English well. Reach out. Make a difference. Go to that school and offer to be a, 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 a tutor in literacy. Help somebody who doesn't know how to read to learn how to read. Reach out. Big brothers, big sisters, there for the kids. In a, an amazing way, reach out. Find your way, but find a child to connect with this week. Our children are longing to be heard. So over this next week, I want you to consider how you may be called to release the status quo and live your spiritual truth. Where are you living in the status quo? Where are you pointing your finger? of what needs to be changed? And are you willing to look beyond it to be a rebel, a radical, and own it yourself? So in the areas where you might be caught up in status quo, they could include your family. They could include your social structure. It could include your politics or the thoughts and beliefs you hold, the words you speak. Consider whether you are living according to love wisdom, allowing your divine self to have priority in your life, or whether you're living in fear of what will people think. Whose friendship will I lose? What if I speak my mind and they don't like me anymore? We long to be radical and rebellious in your belief. Because that same Christ spirit that was in Jesus is in you. So begin this walk by being willing to step outside of that status quo and to own this truth. How many are with me? All right. The earth and all its people, their destiny is in your hands now. Let's do this.
not just creating a world for people that look like me or act like me or think like me, creating a world that works for all humans. Thank you, and God bless.